time to get you set up for all the weekend's betting action across the sports world. It's BetQL Weekend, only on the BetQL Network. All right, here we go, cramming an entire weekend of sports and sports betting content into one, one lonely hour, BetQL Weekend. Mike Matansky from WEEI in Boston, Jack Fritz, WIP in Philadelphia. We have a lot to get to over the next hour. We got the NBA playoffs. We're going to break down those series. We got some baseball stuff to talk about. I have hopefully a winning horse pick uh, for people for next weekend in the Kentucky Oaks. But really, I got to get out of the way right now because the par- I'm guessing, Jack, the party's still going on heading into the weekend in Philadelphia off the amazing first round uh, your Eagles had in the NFL draft. What's up, buddy? Yeah, I was just got done uh, streaking down Broad Street. Uh, it's a it's a total party. There's a there's a parade already planned, and yeah, the city is in is in high spirits. You know, we're we're one of those towns, Mutt. You uh, are the same kind of way where it feels like we never get a cool receiver. You know, I mean, you had Randy Moss for a couple of years there, which was like, what is this? Is this allowed? Are we allowed to have a, a player that can do this? We had T.O. for like 15 games, um, and it was the greatest thing of all time. And uh, the Eagles getting A.J. Brown last night, it, honestly, it, it, they have the most talented offense on paper in my life uh, from an Eagles standpoint. Now, do they have the quarterback is the is the main issue. Uh, Sixers with a big, big win last night. I thought they were going to lose to the Raptors. And, um, you know, especially when it got to three, two and they had to go back to Toronto. I was like, here we go. The Doc River special. Can he blow a three Oh lead this time? But he did not. He came through, uh, James Harden looked like it was 2018 James Harden, which is a good sign for, for my basketball team. And, uh, listen, uh, Sixers heat. It, it has like a mid nineties kind of feel heading into it. There's other, there's, not really bad blood because because Jimmy Butler like didn't really leave on bad terms, but he definitely like wants to beat the Sixers. Um, and then Embiid's just kind of this NBA villain. You have the whole Harden saga where it's like, is he is he cooked? Is he not cooked? So it's going to be a lot of fun. And and t- today's a good day here here in Philadelphia. It's going to be a big weekend in Philadelphia. You got the Celtics and Bucks. We'll get to as well. Celtics caught a break, I think, with the Chris Middleton injury. Uh, it's affected their price in that series. They're pretty significant favorites. Uh, not only in game one, but also for the series. We'll get to the NBA coming up uh, later in the show. It's weird now. We talked last week about the NFL draft and the betting on it. It's so much more easy to follow who's going where via the betting markets right now than it is listening to Schefter or any of the experts because the Tavon Walker stuff, a couple weeks ago, he was huge odds to go number one. He was minus 550 at one point yesterday. So it was, it was cool to watch the betting odds that we're always sort of keeping an eye on. Tell the story of him going number one overall. I can't believe he went one over Hutchinson. I would have taken the known commodity over the athlete there in Jacksonville. That's what the Jags do. They make reach picks, whether it's Balky, whoever's making those picks. I found it to be a reach, but I like the fact, and it happened throughout the course of the first round, the betting markets really did tell the story of what guys were going where early in round one. Yeah, and I actually thought of you um, because oh. – I. It, always think of you mutt it's like Thanks, it's just, you're right there it's called it's called show synergy it's good to have yeah, it in the second one um no but uh because i think it came out wednesday maybe that like stingley all of a sudden was like minus 300 to be the the third pick in the draft and and as someone who was in love with sauce gardner i was like how are you taking 
Derek Stingley Jr. over Sauce Gardner. Um, no. But listen, Texans going to Texans. But um, it made me think of like, yeah, the betting market is kind of dictating how things are going to be done here. Uh, the Jordan Davis over under jumped to uh, – I uh, jumped to like minus 200 to be under 14. Uh, wow. And obviously the Eagles traded up to go and, and get Jordan Davis. And had they not done that, it seemed like the Ravens were locked in taking him at 14. So um, like Jameson Williams over under was 12 and a half. He went 12. So listen, it, it's definitely something to file away for next year when we're thinking about this and, and trying to project out. And one of these mock drafters going to get on board, like look at the betting market and you'll have a better sense and you'll, you'll be able to pick your, uh, your picks better. And maybe we can trust you a little more. So a great example of what you just said with uh, Stingley going third. So on April 23rd on uh, one of the major betting websites, you could bet the exact order that actually had to happen. Walker Hutchinson, and then uh, Stingley, it was plus 4,000, right? So a huge number yesterday during the day, it was plus 156, and that was boosted. Like, it was almost a given it was going to happen that way, happen that way which is crazy. The betting odds were a better market in telling you who was going to go where than any of the mock drafts were. Like, and we'll get to some other picks that were made here. Uh, we both think Philadelphia, your Eagles, uh, had a big round, and they were a winner. The New York Jets, we'll get to my loser Patriots here in a second. I can't believe the Jets had a better draft than the Patriots. I think the Jets had... I know the Eagles did well getting Davis and getting A.J. Brown, but the Jets were able to get a number one lockdown cornerback, a legit playmaker in Garrett Wilson, and then as Jermaine Johnson is falling down the draft board, he's supposed to go top 10 a couple weeks ago, they jump in and get him in the 20s, who's a legit pass-rushing monster on the end. So I thought the Jets and the Eagles by far were the biggest winners uh, in this draft, and I can't believe I'm saying that, having grown up watching the Jets you know, fall over themselves Draft videos of them booing pick after pick and Kyle Brady, everything else. They had a great round one in the draft, Jack. I know. And it's got to, it's got to just hurt you. Right. You know, you, yes. you spent, I mean, you've basically, you've basically been a bully for, for 25 years and <laughs> you, you, you've been punching down. Like you just been, been picking on these guys over and over again and bang in comes Joe Douglas. And it looks like he has the jets moving in the right direction. But the thing is, and I, I just don't trust them to get. Like, I think they're good players. Like, I think they got the right guys. It's just until they execute it, it's hard to to really trust them. Like I wasn't overly impressed with Robert Sala's first year. I thought he was fine. Uh, McDaniel in the in the on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I expected more from him. Honestly, so it's a good draft. They're starting to get good foundational pieces. And I think that the jets are definitely moving in the right direction. And if you're a jets fan today, you're, you're definitely happy, but there still has to be that little voice in the back of your head saying, we're still the jets. We can't get too far ahead of ourselves. The big bad uh, Patriots are there. The bills are there and we'll see on the dolphins. But uh, it, it, I, I just, I'm excited for the jets, honestly. Cause like, I view them kind of how I viewed the Eagles for a while. What's like, are they ever going to win one? And then I got mine and I like seeing other opposing teams get there. So uh, good for the jets. And yes, just a, uh, a disaster night for your Patriots and, and Mutt, I don't want to ruin our relationship, right? I don't want, I don't want what I'm about to say, put us in Rocky waters. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. The sooner Bill Belichick leaves your franchise, the better. 
I mean, it, it's like it's just it's over. Enough with this like drafting interior linemen where the league is like treading towards playmakers and and ball down the field, and he's still trying to run like 1990s stuff. Um, Bill Belichick needs to leave that franchise asap. So you and I had the same exact thought coming out of the draft for the Patriots. The the Patriots are now closer to the Jets than they are the Bills. Like, or they're further away from the Bills and closer to the Jets, however you want to say it. Uh, it is so weird to hear you say that about Joe Douglas, like the Jets are going to jet. And our producer, Zach, who's a huge Jets fan, doing the show shirtless today. He's so excited about uh, what the Jets did last night. When you say the Jets are going to jet in New England, there is still the fan base that is saying, well, in Bill, we trust. I was on the air Thursday night doing a six-hour draft show, and people were calling in defending Bill Belichick for taking a guard they never heard of. Like, I understand taking offensive tackles, like franchise tackles that went in the first round last night, and there apparently were a couple. A guard at the end of round one when you have so many needs. Guard, offensive line was an issue. By the way, you created it by trading Shaq Mason to Tampa. That's why you had a guard issue. Linebackers are slow. Defensive backs aren't that good. Wide receivers are good, but there's no playmaker for Mac Jones. And you trade back, pick up some draft equity there in the middle, and take a guard who was a five-year player a six-year student at Tennessee Chattanooga, the dude's going to be 24 in July. Like, he's he's almost as old as we are at this point. So wow. I don't hate the player, but to your point, it's the pick. The player would have been available somewhere in the second round. Uh, you know, Belichick said he was top of our draft board. Every projection said somewhere in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And that's the nice. frustration. Bill Belichick feels like he's still building teams for the 1980s and 90s where the rest of the league, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, the division – for God's sakes, they're building for the modern NFL, which is pass first and speed. And they got a mauler who was a five-year player at Tennessee Chattanooga. The high, highest drafted Tennessee Chattanooga player ever since T.O., by the way, who was, I believe, the third-round pick out of uh, hey, Tennessee Chattanooga. Not a bad trend, though. That's a, it's a Hall uh, of Famer right there. Not a bad trend. Uh, but, honestly, it reminds me a lot of the end of the Andy Reid era in Philadelphia. Like, they drafted a 26-year-old guard from Baylor that wanted to be a firefighter, like Danny <laughs> Watkins. That's how I feel about that pick last night. I mean, just a just a disaster. Um, and it really is just proving more and more that Brady covered up a lot of the flaws of the Belichick system sure did. up there. Sure you did. Sure and did. I, and uh, I'm one who's, and I, by the way, I've thought that for a while. Like, there's been this debate up here in New England, you know, on WEI in Boston, or your Camp Brady or Camp Bill. And I've I, I was always on Team Brady. I think the quarterback, maybe it was in the early part of this thing, uh, Jack, maybe it was more Bill because the league was different. But the league now is about quarterback. I think Brady has proven with his time in Tampa, the quarterback had a lot to do with it here in New England. Right. I agree. Uh, another team I actually thought had a, a really nice draft. And frankly, as an Eagles fan, I, I'm beginning to get worried. I think the Giants are back, Mutt. I really do. Yeah. Like they, I, I love Dayball. I love that they brought the Sheehan guy from from Buffalo. Um, you know, the, I think I think it was really noteworthy that their owner came out and said we did everything we could to screw up Daniel Jones. Like I think Daniel Jones probably thinks, um, but the fact that they were so open and honest about that, like I just hadn't I hadn't heard that before. Um, and then last night. I thought they did the right things. They, 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 they got a foundational left tackle and Evan Neal that I think is a stud and you take a shot on, on Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, if you can walk out of a top 10 with a franchise caliber left tackle and a pass rusher that, yeah. I mean, like I'm not totally sure why Trayvon Walker went 
number one over like Thibodeau. I mean, just look at the production. I mean, the production is the production. I know it's Georgia. Yeah. I know it's all that. But like when you just look at the raw numbers, it's not like Thibodeau's some scrub. I mean, I know he compared himself to Jadavion Clowney, which would give me a lot of cause for pause. <laughs> um, but it, it, like if you're the if you're the Giants, like you, you should be doing you should be doing cartwheels today. I mean, that's a that's a good start good to to kind of rebuilding your your franchise here a little bit. Yeah, I was impressed by what they did. They were able to accomplish two things there in the first round. I thought the teams that on that run of wide receivers it started with Drake London going at number eight. Like I. I hadn't thought about this until it was brought up on, on our show Thursday night, but I think about what the Falcons are doing now. You know, they have Marcus Mariota as a, a, a placeholder, but going forward now they have Kyle Pitts and Drake London as foundational receiving pieces. You and I talked about, you don't just need one big receiver, you need two. But that second guy can be a tight end. It could be Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Like, you can do it two separate ways. I don't think there'd be two stud-wide receivers. And so now Atlanta, what I thought they did was give your two pieces for either – the rookie they draft next year, because not me married a long-term, or maybe they become a destination where all of a sudden one of these veteran quarterbacks that ends up being disgruntled there towards the end of their career, they can move forward to those guys. Like they, they might be a good spot for Jimmy Garoppolo potentially on a one-year deal show me type thing. So I, I thought grabbing Drake London, I know it surprised a lot of people uh, except for Drake who had a big money on Drake London being uh, the first wide receiver drafted. But I thought that was smart by Atlanta in a league that's now going to wide receivers Calvin Ridley out for the year because he likes to gamble like we do. Uh, they get Drake London down the road. They might have all three of those guys with Kyle Pitts. I, I like that pick for Atlanta in that top 10. And it's so Falcons. Like they, they just can't help themselves. They, <laughs> they love drafting receivers every time. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Like now, now when you were team building, you eat, you have to both prepare for your future quarterback and a trade possibility. Cause that's not because your take on the Falcons is kind of my take on where the Eagles are at. Like you, you go trade for AJ Brown, you pair him with Devonte Smith. That makes you way more attractive. If one of these quarterbacks acts, I mean, cause it seems like now quarterbacks are asking out every year. Now teams yeah. are, are, are going to do their best to keep them. Like I think Kyler's probably going to stay long-term in, in, uh, in Arizona. Um, but it does seem like there's actual quarterback movement, which was never the case for my entire life. Like quarterbacks always just stayed where they were forever and that's not the case anymore. So when you're team building now, you got to make sure you have some weapons for if you don't have a quarterback you yeah. believe in that you can go out and get a quarterback uh, and he wants to come here and play with those weapons or get a guy in the draft and and you give your young quarterback that you believe is your franchise caliber guy uh, a chance to really succeed. So it's just it's just a different change in direction in the modern NFL. Yeah, we got a bunch of stuff right last week talking about the first round of the draft, the wide receivers, the you know, the Panthers what they're going to do, Jamison Williams. We both thought over two and a half quarterbacks. That, I guess, was never close at the end, so we got that wrong. I think the, my Patriots, as far as losers go in the first round, they were losers in round one, taking a guard after trading back with all the needs that they have in 2022. The Titans are also losers in this. Like, I, I, you, can't, you can't sell a fan base trying to win now with, with Tannehill and Derrick Henry that they're, they, could, they should trade away the better player and then take Traylon Burks. Like, to me, good for the Patriots. It's in the AFC. I like it. Hopefully at some point the Patriots grab a wide receiver this weekend in the NFL draft. Mac Jones could certainly use the help, but we saw last night the ratings are going to be huge uh, for round one of the NFL draft. We know how we are excited for it. And there's plenty of betting opportunities all weekend long, so we'll keep track of that heading into rounds two through seven over the weekend. Meanwhile, the party I think is going to continue all weekend in Philadelphia. The draft was a hit in round one, and now it's Sixers heat. Game one coming up. We'll talk NBA playoffs next. Beck UL weekend. 
Mutt and Fritz here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Weekend with Mike Menansky and Jack Fritz on the BetQL Network. Thanks for checking us out. BetQL Weekend, BetQL Network, Jack Fritz, Mike Menansky. He is at Jack Fritz WIP on Twitter, Mutt, M-U-T, W-E-E-I for all sorts of bad takes uh, throughout the course of the week, including probably ripping the Patriots or more bad draft picks uh, over the weekend. But, 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 all, all positive. On my Boston Celtics, who are a completely different team right now, they rolled, rolled to the Nets. Now, I didn't predict that, Jack. I didn't want the Nets. I was scared of the Nets. I wanted the Bulls or the Cavs or anybody. So I was wrong about this series, but they were the only team to sweep in the first round. They send your boy Kyrie home. They defend Durant better than any team has ever defended Durant. And they might have broken up the dynasty or the fake dynasty there in Brooklyn. They sweep, they advance. How about my Celtics, Jack Fritz? I think the most impressive thing, and and tell me if you agree or disagree. The most impressive thing they did is they stopped the extender, Scott Foster. They they got through the (laughs) Scott Foster game. He tried. He tried. I mean, Jason Tatum did fell out of that game. He tried, and they were able to overcome that. That's the most impressive. When you're talking about and you're evaluating championship DNA, if you can overcome the Scott Foster game and get through it, that's what I'm talking about. So, yes, uh, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets just concluding one of the uh, one of the uh, the biggest disappointments in NBA history. Uh, I find it rich and I am not a Ben Simmons fan, obviously, but the blaming of Ben for that team being down three nothing and ripping him for not playing game four. It's like, sure. Is it soft? I get it. But Katie and Kyrie are down 3-0. Like, where is the criticism on those guys? Imagine if prime LeBron with the second best player lost and got swept uh, in a first-round playoff series, how it would be talked about. That's all. That's my, my pro-LeBron rant of the day. Uh, when it comes I'll tell you how they would, have, they would have canceled the draft on Thursday and done an entire five hours on LeBron getting swept in the first round. Yeah. That's how yep. it would have been covered. And then they would have had just LeBron announce the picks. They would have just brought him in and say, <laughs> all right, first pick in the draft is this. So, um, yeah, no, I, that that Celtics team. And, and Mott, like, uh, the interesting part about this series for me is that We've seen this before. I mean, 2018, uh, uh, Jason Tatum's rookie year. They yeah. they did about as good of a job as I've seen a team do on Giannis um, in the postseason, you know, it, it, since he's been in the postseason. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's going to be just a really interesting thing to watch. Like, the fact that they were able to lock down Kevin Durant, who I believe is a more talented scorer than Giannis. Like, Giannis is obviously pretty unstoppable when he gets going to the rim. But KD just has more in his bag where he can just – he is way better, easier to score and all of that stuff. So, you know, what are they going to do to Giannis? And and, uh, and, that, and when I'm evaluating this series, like, I think why I'm so high on the Celtics, like, I think they win in, in five or six is obviously the Middleton injury is, is just massive Huge. For, for this series. Huge. But, like, they made Kevin Durant, who's one of the five best scorers of my life, um, look pedestrian. So they get a – now they're facing a guy, Giannis, who doesn't have as much skill – as Kevin Durant, like, what are they going to do against him? I know when Giannis gets rolling downhill, he's impossible to stop, but 
you know, he does have to also get downhill. And I just think the, the Celtics have so much they could throw at, at, at Giannis to, to slow him down in the series. Couldn't agree more. And the Durant stuff was otherworldly to see. It was right in game one. Like, Ime Udoka came out and had all sorts of hands around Durant. They rattled him. At one point, he had, you know, 15 field goals and 17 turnovers. He had that 0 for 10 second half. Like, he, they rattled Kevin Durant. And now Giannis has to do it without his running mate. The Middleton injury is huge. He's the guy that takes the pressure off of him. Uh, Giannis and uh, to your point defensively they have Marcus Smart who can uh, defend they have Al Horford they have Tatum they have Brown all sorts of bodies they can throw at Giannis and then you go to well if they're not going to let Giannis beat them do you think Drew Holiday can beat them I don't you think Grayson Allen can beat them I don't and that's where I think that things fall apart for the Bucs nothing that hurts the Bucs is the Celtics team back in December and January this is a different team and they're healthy you know Robert Williams barely played in the series he's the rim protector that's going to be there at the back end if Giannis is able to get through that first and second layer of the Celtics, you know, layer defense they're going to shove at this guy. He has to then get through Robert Williams there at the end. And that's where it becomes too much of a hill for Giannis to climb, in my opinion. He's a great player. He's a, a really good player. Like a, It's refreshing to hear his press conferences, right? He talks about being humble and things he focuses on. Like, he's a refreshing athlete. I love watching him play. But there's just too much for him to do in this series. And I think they actually priced it pretty correctly. I'm looking at it now, minus 200 or minus 210 uh, to win the series. Bucks would be plus 158, 168 uh, to win it outright. I don't think the Bucs can win this series. I'm with you, Celtics in five or six. Celtics game one on Sunday, I've seen it somewhere on four and a half. I've seen uh, minus five, minus 105. And that could be a closer game. But I'm with you. The Middleton injury is the, the deciding factor. And the Celtics are playing, I think, as well as any team in the NBA right now. They are. And I think last week uh, when we did the show, there are plus 500 to make the finals, which uh, was it was a little much. And, and well, I, I thought it was a good bet. But th- yeah. the other thing is that the Bucks they've just been weird all year. Like it, they never really got on a run. Like I would say two weeks before the playoffs, they really started to round into form a little bit. So I didn't even totally trust them heading into the playoffs. Like I thought they would. I thought everyone would pick them. And I thought everyone's going to pick Suns Bucks again because that's what we do. Yeah. And we, we overrate, oh, they won the championship last year and, and not talk about how hard it is to, to get back-to-back finals um, appearances. So, you know, they've just been a weird team all year. Drew is a very good player, but Drew is also not ready to be the second star on a, on a, in, in this kind of series. Like, he still is at his best when he's the third star. So um, I feel really good about uh, Celtics. And if you're looking for a value, I feel like Celtics in five is, is a decent value. Um, and actually, I, I kind of disagree with you on game one. It, it feels like one of those just, like, blowouts where people are like, oh, wow, Celtics are ridiculous. And the Bucks like take game two and it calms everyone down, maybe. Uh, like, it just kind of, like, I just can see the, I don't know why, but I have the vision of like a Marcus Smart three and the pan out and the gardens going nuts. Like, it just <laughs> has that feel early. Um, so uh, I think the Celtics kind of set the tone in game one on Sunday, and I actually like them uh, minus four. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit. I'm going to give you, and I'll, I'll get to more of this in my best bet of the week. Yeah, this isn't quite time to the best bet, but. Three-pointers are something I want people to look at in this series. So all these major websites offer individual three-point props on players, how many threes they're going to hit. The Bucs uh, gave up 20, or just over 20, wide-open threes per game. And the NBA counts that as with no one within six feet of you, close defender within six feet. Uh, they, they, no, really no one near you. They give up most in the NBA. Uh, the Celtics, since March 1st, 
of the sixth best three-point shooting team on wide open threes in the league. And so my theory going into this is going to be the Celtics, especially about Middleton, are going to get a lot of open threes. And guys like Peyton Pritchard, guys like Marcus Smart, even guys like Al Horford, who they consistently post three-pointer props for, those are guys I'm willing to play over in this series because the Bucks defense, they defer to wide open three-point shots. And especially at home, to your point on Sunday, you can see the crowd being into it. You can see the momentum getting going. I'm not going to be afraid in game one to punch a bunch of different three-point overs uh, on these player props because the Bucs as a team defensively, they're good, but they serve up wide open three-pointers. So Celtics in the series and keep an eye on the three-point props for different players in this series because the Bucs, they want teams to shoot open threes. Your 76ers, we joked last week, three-nothing series over. Ho, ho. I, Doc Rivers in the house. Doc Rivers in the house. Almost served it up again. You survived last night. You advance. How do you feel about Sixers and Heat here in the Eastern Conference semifinals for your Philadelphia 76ers? It's a tough question. Because uh, I think the Heat, like, I, I saw what they did to Trey Young. And I think Trey Young is one of the toughest players to, to keep in front of you in the league, if not the toughest. And then I'm watching James Harden, who I don't think can get around you much. Like, I think I think you could probably stay in front of him at this point. Um, now, I will say, James Harden last night, he had a nice little flashback. He thought he was back in 2019. James he woke Harden, up. That was nice. Time machine, James Harden. That was sweet, yeah. Yeah, I could use a little more of that. I mean, it basically took uh, everyone making fun of him on national TV. It took uh, Joel Embiid calling him out after the postgame press conference the other day. Um, you know, it's basically said, hey, you got to be aggressive. And he was. So maybe they get good James Harden the rest of the year. It's just now, is Jimmy Butler really hurt? I'm not sure. I mean, he missed the last game with, with knee tendonitis or whatever. So um, if he's back, I, I just think that he creates this toughness that the Sixers don't have. Like my... I think the Heat win the series in six just because I think that they have a, a different level of toughness that the Sixers team does not have. Now, last night was a good win out in Toronto. Crowds going nuts, yelling bleep and bead uh, and like mocking him when he got hurt, which is rich. You know, I thought only Philly fans like that. that that's what we do. So I thought that was uh, <laughs> that was rich from the Toronto fans last night up there in Canada. Um so it was a good, tough, gritty win that they just have not done in the past. So maybe they are kind of maturing, but I don't trust them from that standpoint yet. And Bede is still banged up. Uh, he is deferring a lot. Like he does not, he's kind of, he's kind of letting everyone else take the first three quarters. And then he's trying to close out games. Um, like he is just, he doesn't look the same. He's been turning the ball over a little bit more. Um, really, can Maxi keep his good play up? I mean, 25 points last night, hit Four or five threes. Um, you know, he's going to be someone that has to penetrate the heat defense because if he doesn't, they don't really have anyone else can, that can do that. But my overall feeling is I'm definitely nervous. Like, I think the heat are, are tough um, and they seem to play the Sixers tough, even though they did split um, on the season series so far. But the, the heat just consistently kind of outgrit the Sixers whenever I watch them. And I, I don't have a good feeling heading into the series. So I really wish it was anyone but Doc. Like, I, I'd actually feel a lot – I'd feel confident and, and really volley back and tell you the, the Sixers plus the 152 in the series is something I'm really excited about. The Doc thing lingers. We saw it in Boston at the end. We saw it in L.A. Like, you, 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 you saw him get defiant this week when he was asked about it, when this thing started to come up, like, oh, my God, they're going to blow a 3-0 lead. And I think Spolstra – NBA coaches don't have the biggest impact in games. NFL coaches certainly much more impact – than an NBA coach, but NBA more than MLB manager, for example, in my opinion. 
Uh, but Spolster is a better coach than Doc Rivers. And if it's a close series, I would defer to Spolster from a coaching standpoint. But is there a party that thinks that James Harden's sort of been harnessing this and holding it and knowing he was going to get to this stage and knowing he was going to have this opportunity to get to an Eastern Conference final? Like from a talent standpoint, just going on talent, I, I would go with the 76ers. And to be honest, I'm actually still leaning that way. I'm going to hold my nose a little bit and say maybe Doc and Defiant Doc and yelling at the media on uh, Wednesday or whatever it was, maybe that was him realizing he's got some uh, things to do here in this series of unfinished business. So you're nervous about your Sixers? I'm going to play him at 152. Certainly a better bet, in my opinion, than minus 180 against Miami. Out West, we talked about it last week. We both think the Warriors or thought the Warriors would be the favorites and deserve to be it. Uh, Suns are going to advance here. They're going to get Devin Booker back. Any change of heart here, Jack? Do you think the Warriors are still the team to beat out West as uh, those two teams get set for their series. I think we're overrating the Warriors a little bit. I, ooh, I, I, I do. And I like the Warriors and they definitely could, but that Nuggets team was just so banged up and, and Jokic was getting clowned for possibly getting swept as the MVP. It's like, dude, look who he's playing with. I mean, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris. I love bones Highland as much as the next guy, but he's like the sixth man. Will Barton. I mean, that team had no business. So I think people are overreacting pretty strongly to what the Warriors did. I mean, I would hope a team with Steph Clay, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and their culture would be able to take down the Nuggets. Like, they just have way better players. And the Nuggets, you know, to their credit, kept kept some of those games close. So that's good to see. I would – I think it's a good time to to double down on the Suns if you are, are in that market. Um, Chris Paul was 14 of 14 last night. Uh, the, true, the true point god <laughs> – um Devin Booker is obviously working his way back and like it just seems like it's such an overreaction to what the Warriors did to a depleted Nuggets team so I think the Suns have a lot of value um like obviously I think this series against the Mavs is going to be really tough um like I (laughs) it's funny I think the Suns are still a good bet to make the finals I would probably put money on Mavs plus 220 just to take a shot on Luca. Like, I think Luca's kind of, we're seeing the maturation of, of playoff Luca. Just won his first playoff series. Uh, he's putting up, you know, 25 plus a night. It seems like I know he scored 24 last night and screwed me a same game parlay. But other than that, he's usually scoring. <laughs> oh, wait, you, he's you lost another same game parlay? Is that 40 in a row or 41? I forget. One for my last 28. Okay. Yes. He's back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, and. And OG and a boy didn't hit one extra three for me last night, which just was, I need one three. I need one three and whatever, but it's okay. It's okay. Hey, like every great shooter, you just got to see one go through the hole. Mavs are plus 550 to get out of the West. So if you're going to, you're going to, you see, you're willing to bet them against the Suns. Uh, I think they're going to battle with the Suns and eventually the Suns will advance, especially with Devin Booker coming back. But the Warriors get to sit around. They get to wait for the other series to end. They're getting healthy. Like the, the price right now, look at our producers at Warriors are plus 145. Suns are plus 170 to win the West. I would still be okay with the Warriors. Sounds like you'd be on the Suns at plus 170. Yeah. I, pure value wise, I think the Suns are starting to get a little bit underrated given how good they've been all year and how Booker is now well on his way back uh, to, 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 to being the Devin Booker that we saw all year. Yeah, it's too bad there's not any basketball on Saturday. We get some games Sunday. We get games Monday. The NBA Eastern Conference, Western Conference semifinals underway all next week, which is a good thing. Meanwhile, baseball's underway, but the baseball's dead. It's dented. There are no home runs. And the Kentucky Oaks next Friday, we're going to try to give you a choice that maybe, maybe can actually hit the board this time. 
It's BetQL weekend. Mutt and Fritz here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Weekend with Mike Mananski and Jack Fritz on the BetQL Network. Should be an awesome weekend. Uh, we got all sorts of action. We got NBA playoff games, the NFL draft rolling on, USFL, quadruple header, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. We'll save my USFL love for a different show. Not enough time here today. Jack Fritz, Mike Mananski here, BetQL Weekend, BetQL Network, hoping to get you set here for the weekend. Uh, from a baseball standpoint, uh, it's ill. It's still early in the year, okay? But you and I are both baseball fanatics. You know, not not everyone follows it as closely as we do. So let's tell the people, the baseball is different, Jack. The baseball is dented. The baseball is dead. Uh, exit velocity is up. Trajectory of the power off the bat is up. Home runs are down, and scoring has been down. Home runs down across baseball the first three four weeks. Just what people want, right? <laughs> Just what people want. Chicks dig so the flyout. Chicks yes. dig the flyout, baby. Oh, it's it's been it's been insane, Mutt. Like I'm sure you, you've probably seen ten thousand home runs at, at Fenway Park in your life. Ooh, I probably we'll say yeah, close, close, yeah. Right, like the whole theory of ten thousand makes you an expert on everything, you know? Yeah, uh, Mitch, they, Mitch, not Mitch album. I, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, we know you're talking about Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Although 10,000 hours of gambling, we'll see if that helps us. We'll <laughs> that see has if not that worked. Helps us. It has helped me yep. yet, no. We're not experts. Just kidding. We are experts. That's why we have this show. But, um, <laughs> like, like, dude, there's been so many games this year where I'll be watching the Phils at Citizens Bank Park, and I'll say, oh, that's a home run. Like, I've seen, I've seen millions of home runs at Citizens Bank Park. I know what they look like. And they keep dying. And I, it's like, it's just messing with my brain. Uh, well, do, you remember, so, do you remember, maybe you guys talked about in your show in Philadelphia, early, the first week of the year, John Sterling, like botched that home run call. We mocked him for, at least I did. And now I'm like, well, he, he probably thought it was a home run because the ball was dead. He didn't know. So John Sterling, FAN, I apologize. You were right. I was wrong. Yeah. It's everyone's not picking on John. Okay. Like that, if you were watching that at your home, you would say that's a home run because it should have been yeah. a home run. So yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know why it's so hard to find a baseball that is not juiced and we're, we're seeing scrubs at, at 30 homers or bring it back to the dead ball era. Like, are we calling this dead ball oh. era 2.0? Um, it's just, and, and, and apparently they're working on putting together a, a tacky baseball that, that they're putting their own spin on that's going to be here in, like, May or June. It's like, well, so now we're going to change it in the middle of the season, um, which makes no sense. Like, why not have and that? And by the way, they, they put humidors in 12 ballparks that didn't have humidors last year. So yep. the ball not only is different, but the balls are playing differently in those ballparks because they changed the way they're, they're kept and they're stored in those ballparks. Makes a lot of sense, right? Now, my thing is, is that, Listen, if this is your if this is your plan, then then keep and then stick with it. Like we yeah. we talk in business all the time of like have a take. Well, I don't want to see you changing the balls midseason if like if you just just either just tell everyone that this is the balls that you're gonna have all year and they'll adjust to it and it could be a good thing. But like I I actually don't think it could be a disaster because then we should see more balls in play, more balls in the gap trying to change the approaches at the plate, which is what people ultimately want. Like, 
You and I both yeah. know that doubles and triples are the most exciting plays in baseball. Home runs are oh, no great. Doubt. The no home doubt. runs are awesome, and they're fun, and chicks dig the long ball and all that stuff. But for the casual fan, being in the ballpark, being at home, that ball in the gap is just more exciting. And and I don't know what, about you, but with the Phillies down here, they've been stealing more bases. So the dead ball is fine, but just stick with it if that's what you want. If your goal is to have more balls in play, more action, I think if you tell them this is the ball all year, then you'll see that. And, and teams will adjust because we know how smart these baseball teams are. They will find whatever the marketed efficiency is, and they'll just stick with it. So um, I, I would be frustrated if they just all of a sudden start juicing the baseballs again and we get back to the the, the Mickey Mouse sport that I watched in 2019 where just like it, it was like hitting a golf ball off of, off of, off of the bat. So um, just have a take. And if it's going to be dead ball, that's fine but stick with it and watch these teams adjust. And yeah, there's, there's even been some teams that have a team average of 280. Like what is this? The seventies. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you have that. You're, you said, have a take. Your take is terrible. I don't want the dead ball. We no one wants the dead ball. Put the, find the, find the better ball and get rid of the shifts. Like you're planning on doing next year and make it. So a hit that was a hit for a hundred years in baseball is still a hit, you know, with the way the shifts are set up right now, Balls that guys thought were hits their entire lives are being taken away. Easy ground balls. So I want the I want closer to the golf ball than whatever this thing is right now. I want the shifts gone. I want a pitch clock. I want a modern game. We'll get that next year, hopefully, in Major League Baseball. I also want the the whatever's going on in your division. What are the Mets doing? Like, are the Mets trying to be the toughest team in baseball? What's going on there? Can you explain as someone who watches the NL East? Like, what what is going on with the Mets and their machismo right now in New York? Well, uh, they have a <laughs> they have a bunch of dorks that have have <laughs> been dealing with teams throwing at them for the first yep. time ever. Um, so I think they're trying to to uh, maybe it's a Buck Showalter thing. I mean, he set the tone in the first like the first series of the year. He was already like, "Oh, teams are throwing at us all the time." It's like, well, how do you know, Buck? I mean, what are you talking about? Like they've been hit like they've been hit two more times than the next closest team. Like this is not a trend. Um, yeah. So listen. No one likes getting thrown at their head. Head, I, I, I totally understand. But why would anyone be attacking the Mets? Like this isn't the '80s. You're not the '86 Mets. Like you're not even the the, the 2007 Mets with with uh, Wright, Delgado, Reyes. Like that team. Yeah. You're just you're just a, a team full of dorks like Pete Alonso and and Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo. Like, come on. Like, no one's throwing at you. Like, just grow up. I mean, seriously, grow up. Like, I'm oh, sorry. It's, that, it's, three, it's, it's three pitches to the head in two weeks. That's not a trend? Oh, listen. Yeah, cancel the sport. Throw everyone out that's throwing <laughs> at the Mets right now. I mean, come on. Just, just like, I'm sorry you're getting thrown at your head, Pete Alonzo. Like, I know. I'm sorry that you got tackled to the ground by uh, Stubbs or whatever. Rusty Stubbs, is that his name? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yep, something like that. Um, so I don't know. It's just frustrating. Like maybe they're trying to create this whole us against the world thing. And hey, they do have the best record yes. in baseball. So maybe you it's working. It. But come on. No. I mean, you nailed it. That's what that's what that's what Buck Showalter does. I saw him here in the AL East for a long time. He is as old school as it gets. Like that's what he's trying to do. It's that us against the world mentality. They have a billionaire owner who can spend whatever he wants, but they gotta oh. be the tough team. They. They got to be the tough. Everyone hates us. It's like I, I, people, even great athletes, need that chip on their shoulder. That's what Buck is trying to do. But I, I'm with you. It's a, it's a little bit much right now in New York. They can pump the brakes. The other dead ball thing I'll mention because you're, they're going to switch the balls at some point. They're not going to tell us. 
So just be aware as a, as a baseball better, when it happens, just dive in. Just, just be aware. We'll see how quickly Vegas and, and these websites and, and sites are able to, to change the lines. But once it starts, the floodgates are open. So do not be afraid to bet overs uh, and home runs and stuff like that the second the ball changes. Because to me, once it happens, uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. And uh, other- as far as oh. this weekend, we got some best bets here, okay? Yes. You have a same-game parlay that I'm going to let you get to. My yeah. best bet is a player prop, okay? This goes back to the Celtics and the Bucks. The Buccaneers allow 20 uh, – Bucks, bu- Buccaneers. The Milwaukee Bucks. I got football draft in the brain. The yeah. Bucks allow over 20 wide-open threes per game. Al Horford's going to get three or four of those in game one for sure. That and a couple layups. I think he's going to go way over his point total, which heading into Sunday, uh, last time I looked, was 9.5 minus 120. Al Horford's going to be a major part of this series. He looks like a different player. He looked like he turned the clock back 10 years in the Nets series. Uh, he scored over that total number three of the four games uh, against the Nets in that sweep they had of Brooklyn. He's going to be a big part offensively in the Bucs series. A lot of wide-open threes, which he's hit at a really good clip uh, since March 1st. So my best bet of the weekend is a player prop. I want Al Horford over nine and a half points in game one on Sunday. Well, funny you should mention that because a part of my Calvin Ridley can't lose same game parlay uh, of the weekend is an Al Horford under. And the reason oh, why, oh. the reason why I'm taking this under of nine and a half, Mutt, is because I think he is going to be putting in a lot of work defending Giannis. I think that was the, that's what he did in 2018 when he was, what, 44 years younger and before he was in Philly ruining our lives for a year. So, um, like, I think I think he's going to put in a lot of work defensively uh, on Giannis. He might mess around and hit two threes. I think his three props have been very uh, good to put in the same game. Part one, away, one and so. a half right now. One and a half, and I like the over on that uh, for Sunday yeah. as well. But that also keeps it under nine and a half, which is all I'm worried about. So he's going to be expending <laughs> he's going to be expending a ton of energy on the uh, defensive side of the ball, and he's so old that his legs are going to eventually give out, and he's going to be too tired to score. That's my theory on that. So I have him under nine and a half. I have Bobby Portis over two threes. Who okay. I, I feel like they never adjust that. Like, you know, it's not his, his over under is probably I I just use, I just take two plus when I'm putting these together. So. Uh, and I think it's well, I mean, you are le- you're a legitimate same game parlay expert. And I should tell people as they're listening to this right now or watching it on Twitch, when, when Jack starts doing this, get a pen because it's not something you can remember. There are too many legs in it for you to memorize. Uh, so you need to write these down. So we're under Al Horford, nine and a half points. Go ahead. People write this down now. Go right. ahead. Uh, Portis two threes. And the reason okay. why it's so many legs is because we love the odds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I have Tatum over 30 and a half. Um, I think he's just been a monster and like, he's just, he's taken, he, he, we're seeing the Tatum leap. Uh, you know, it's usually a quantum leap in, 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 in usual terms, we're seeing the Tatum leap. And do you think been, he, uh, do you think he, I'll ask you this big discussion in Boston. Do you think he passed Durant in that series on the hierarchy of players right now? Not all time, but right now in the NBA. That's a really fascinating debate. I would say no. Uh, but He's at least better than, you know, prime Paul Pierce. We'll take that. <laughs> 20, 24 years old. He's going to become, yeah. you know, one of the uh, five or six, you know, most points before the age of 24. And three or four of those guys are guys who played right out of high school. Like, there's an argument today, right now, I would build my team around Tatum versus Durant. All-time Durant's an all-timer. But if you ask me right now, I'd take Tatum over Durant. But I digress. Yeah. You're in the middle of a Calvin Ridley can't lose same game parlay. 
Yes. Jason so, Tatum, go ahead. So Horford under nine and a half, Portis two, two threes, Tatum okay. over 30 and a half. I think he goes nuclear in game one. Giannis under 31 and a half. It's a big number. Um, he's going to have to go crazy, but I just feel like game one is a Celtics game. It's a Celtics game. He puts in a lot of work, shoots a, uh, a bad field goal number, and then comes back in the later series once he kind of figures out the Celtics a little bit more. So just in game one, I like taking his under, and I will, I will put Boston minus four in it because I think the Celtics roll on Sunday. So Celtics minus four, Giannis under 31.5, Tatum yep. over 30, Horford under 9.5, and, and Portis two threes. That's the Calvin Ridley can't lose parlay of the weekend. This is why you need a slide rule and a pen and graph paper when you get this out. Did you, did you put it in your calculator? Do we know what the odds are on this pay, uh, paying out? Did you build this yet out for the people? No. So here's the oh. thing. Here's yeah. the thing. I have to put another deposit into my account. I've been, <laughs> so, I, I did. So I was down to zero. I was down to zero and I got to put a deposit back in, but I'm waiting till after the show today. To decide. It, was, it was payday today. It was payday today. So I got to get that back in there. So yeah, I'm back down to zero. It's been a tough go of it. Um, you know, I don't know if you know, I, I probably didn't tell you, but, um, I haven't won a bet since I got uh, I got pulled over for running a stop sign, and in the middle of in the middle of being pulled over, I get a notification on my home on my phone that Nick Castellanos hit a home run, and I hit a Nick Cass I had Nick Nick Castellanos to hit a home run. Nice. So, so that's the last bet I won. Um, so <laughs> I felt like the uh, I felt like the the Castellanos meme where bad things happen and he hits a home run around it uh, at the exact same time that happened. So it's been a tough go of it. But we will get it back this week, and that's a, that's a can't lose parlay for sure. Either tweet that out, or somebody who's listening or watching, uh, let us know. Jack Fritz, W I P, or Mutt W E E I. You could have just said you bet on the horse I gave out on this show uh, to win last week at five six to one. And that'd be another loser, four. though. That'd be another. Yeah, it was loser. a loser. You could have just said that. I, I, trust me, I have to reload my account uh, to bet any horses this weekend. But a week from Saturday, I, I I'm sure you know what the Kentucky Derby is, right? Yes. The day before that is the Kentucky Oaks. So the three-year-old boys run on Saturday. The Phillies, the girls, run on Friday. And we won't talk between now and then. So for the people, there are three horses that are going to be major favorites here. And Echo, Echo Zulu uh, is going to be a favorite. Kathleen O is going to be a favorite. And there's one of the horses will be like the three favorites in the Kentucky Oaks a week from Friday. So next Friday, day before the Kentucky Derby. A 10-to-1 shot or better is a horse by the name of Hidden Connection. Three-year-old filly has only run three races this year. The first she needed off a long break as a two-year-old. The second race, she ran awesome. Go watch the Fairground Oaks. You can check out the replay at a million different places. She almost beat a horse that's going to be the favorite in the Kentucky Oaks. Hidden, hidden Connection is going to be 9, 10, 12, 15 to 1. I know if she's going to win, but she's going to run second or third. So when you play an exactas, trifectas, win, play, show, Hidden Connection in the Kentucky Oaks at a price jack. So save some money for Friday so you can bet Hidden Connection at least place and show in the Kentucky Oaks. Yeah, the, the, it doesn't pass the Jack Fritz name test. I don't like the idea of hidden. You know, it's it's that doesn't sound like a winner to me being hidden. It's, it's that's my official pick. And when I look in the horse's eyes, don't see it. Okay, well you're on the clock. You're gonna, you're making an official Jack Fritz Derby pick on the show next week. Uh, we got the NBA. We got all the action this weekend. Uh, Jack Fritz WIP Mutt WEI. Jack, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Let's have some winners this weekend.
Winners, winners, winners. BetQL weekend. BetQL Network. See you.